0: to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor.
1: If you don't like words like fuck and cunt then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do then join us while we fuck your feelings.
0: Hello. Hi.
1: Hi. Hi, How are you?
0: Hi. How are ya? I'm good.
1: I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Welcome back.
0: Ladies, gentlemen's boils and goils. To color me dead podcast, episode number two, two. trois, dos. Do- oh damn it! How do you say uh, two in German? Zwei. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's ni in Japanese. This episode is one of our reimaginings. A, a reborn, because we're reborning things lately. We're, we're re well. See, Rebirthing. the Zuckerberg taketh away, and the gory gil- oh, Gills. Oh, g- good God, Jesus! Should we be the gory gills? No. The Zucketh take away. Nope. Nope. The Zuckerberg Zuckerberg taketh take away, away, and the gory gals giveth back. We do. So we lost our Facebook group. Oops. And it was a series of reported content from somebody. And Facebook algorithm checks. Um, The group got shut down. We contested. We got it back briefly. It got shut down again. We waited. We contested. Um, We were still in finger quotes. We're in review. Um, I I, figured
1: after 30 days,
0: they'd give it back and they did not. No, they didn't. And so we were actually going to just stop um, having a Facebook group. And I think we both started missing our Yeah, because
1: well, we talked our about it, and we were like, yeah, we'll wait and see if somebody opens a fans-only a fans page. Only fans? <laughs> yeah, whatever well, they are. And then after we recorded, I saw that you've been invited to the CMD group. I was like,
0: yes! I, I <laughs> you honestly, decided. <laughs> I did. I started missing my people. I had to take my personal Facebook back, and I deleted lots and lots of lots of friends and it was a necessary mental health like mm, keep your personal life personal
1: yeah well and i would rather share on our group page than my own page anyway so anybody that's on my group page on our group page it's not on my personal
0: page you get more of me that way than you do on my personal <laughs> shit so let's get back on track so before you check out today's episode, if you guys want to find us on social media, you can. If you go to Twitter, and I'm trying to be good about getting on there, go to Twitter, at Color Me Dead Pod. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow at Color Me Dead Podcast. You can follow at Color Me Dead Angel or Gory underscore Nikki. If Facebook is more your gig. Um, we have a Color Me Dead podcast page. We also have a Facebook group page. It is called CMD Reborn. You can find all of the Angel and Nikki episodes. Ageofradio.org slash Color Me Dead. Go there. You find content. You find so-so's, which are our outtakes. You guys can shop the bazaar. Shop the bazaar. You can check out other programs. And if you're interested in... Uh, I don't know, being a podcaster. You can. You can, at at Age Radio. They'll help you out, get set up, submit a request to be part of our network. And on our page, at Age Radio, there is also a great big button that says Patreon. If you would like to click that button, it'll take you to where you can make a donation. A monthly pledge, if you will. We have um, pledges from a dollar up to 75 dollars and you get perks in between you know as um as low as a dollar you're getting stickers and then up to 75 you guys have the option for shirts and hoodies that are exclusive cups mm-hmm Lanyards, magnets oh all sorts all of things.
1: kinds of shit like the 75 dollars the is the mother load you can also get to our patreon at patreon.com slash color me dead podcast it's a little glitchy. We're still trying to fix oh, it. Oh, sorry, So, guys. yeah, this isn't our problem. It's on their side, and they they are aware of it. They're just having a hard time fixing it. If you guys want merch, you need merch, would you like the merch? You can get the merch at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. And if you want very exclusive merch, you go to com. There is, I think... There's a spot where you can click the button, and it says Color Me Dead. Click there, and it's all of our exclusive stuff that she has designed especially for us. It's different than what you'll get on Patreon, though. If you do Patreon, you'll get stuff from LaGraw, but it's only Only Patreon. Patreon. Only Patreon people can get these. Nobody else can. You can get a different version of some of it through her website, or she can do a lot of personalized stuff. It doesn't have to be Color Me Dead. Go through her; she's awesome.
0: Uh, perhaps you want to email us. You can do that as well. At color me dead, or er, excuse me, <laughs> uh, color me dead podcast at gmail.com. If you guys want to mail us something, do not send me dick pics. Do not send me evidence. Um, you can send it to PO Box sixteen ten, Bernal, Utah, eight four zero seven. fan box to the fan box i can't not say it sorry if anybody's getting sick of it i'm sorry it's a fan box god damn it motherfucking fan box so what we are going to do today what i have what what weird little earworm do i have for you today oh it's a it's a
1: disturbing it's disturbing yet not disturbing in the end story it's kind
0: of a really morbid underdog story
1: it's fucking crazy. Like, when I first listened to it, when you and the old host did this before I was on, I was like, holy shit. Well, after three years of being on the podcast and doing more research about stuff like this, it makes so much more sense now. Because whoever doesn't know at this point, I was a total newbie to anything <laughs> true crime three years ago. And so it was kind of like I got the surface effect of it right i was like man that shit's fucking crazy now digging deep i'm like oh i get it i see all the signs like it's all there it is i get um, it and it's fucking
0: it's ridiculous it's fascinating it's very fascinating like once you see and this is true with a lot of things once you scratch the surface and see what's underneath if it fiddles with your pleasure center in your brain that's your new hobby. That yep. could be a career or an obsession. Don't let it get unhealthy. No. Don't like, don't murder people. No, but it's about Beth Thomas,
1: the yes. child of rage.
0: So, this is one of my favorite um, episodes. And I am very excited to be doing it with you. Um, Ooh. Oh, doing it to you. <laughs> oh, with you. On so, a- <clears throat>
1: on the mic, recorded. Ooh. Oh, you guys are People in for a treat. Us? Oh,
0: my. Joe, calm down. <laughs> Pure roots. You know who you are. <laughs> oh, goodness. So today we're doing Beth Thomas, the Child of Rage. Um, this is because this is one of my favorites. And I've been able to apply some of the knowledge to what I do now, working for, you know, with at-risk kids. It's very interesting. So this is how children of abuse could become. I don't could, finger quotes. And yeah, they're not all the same. I'm not armchair diagnosing anybody. Yeah, we are.
1: <laughs> just kidding. Let's get shit straight. If you're a brand new listener, armchair diagnosing might happen. Get over it. Um, or maybe,
0: just maybe, if I armchair diagnose someone... You should expect that I either have that shit myself or somebody incredibly close to me. Right? So.
1: And for background, we had somebody talking shit about us that hated us for no reason, saying that we were armchair diagnosing. Like, "Eh, so what? So what if we fucking are? We never said that we're professionals. I never claimed to be. But we are allowed to have opinions. Well, if I think that that's what it is, it's okay for me to have a fucking opinion. Um, I don't know.
0: Let me give you guys a little bit of a background on Beth. Beth Thomas and her brother were removed from an extremely abusive situation and were later adopted. Beth's biological mother died when Beth was about a year old. She was removed from her father's care at about 19 months to 22 months of age. And that's kind of a a rough estimate, because um, they they didn't really know how old she was. She had already endured horrific sexual abuse at this time. Her brother, John, was also severely neglected. He had a flat head, like severe flat skull when they took him out of the home. Neglected as the Yeah, just, I well, didn't even know that that was a thing that, okay, and it, it makes sense if you know the biology of a child. Me, not having... Children ever come out of me and never like want to have anything to do with kids. I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. It is because I
1: I know you probably heard of people saying tummy time for your kids. Yeah, so they get a strong neck and their fucking strong head neck right. and their head doesn't grow flat.
0: Tim and Julie Tennet adopted Beth and her brother in 1984. Shortly after, her new parents, who had no bio, like they had no biological children of their own, so it wasn't that they, I mean, they had tried, you know. So for them to get two young children, both at the same... Like, dude, how often does that happen for adoptive parents?
1: Well, and they said they had so much to give that they wanted children. Yeah. They wanted somebody to to share their love with. That's sweet. Dude, that's
0: wholesome. It really is. And yeah. It's... If I... Like, eventually, I would like to foster. Mm. Um, there's one kid that I work with that if... The state would just, like, just give him to me. Let me have him. Let me have him. You guys are going to bounce him around from home to home. He's going to run. He's, you know, give him to me. I not only have the room, I don't need your money. Like, I don't want to foster him. I don't need your money, but I also don't want you involved because you're not taking him away from me once I have Mm. him. And all that kid needs is a little bit of guidance and structure and somebody to tell him that he's fucking doing good. Yeah. And that kid would flourish. Just give him to me. Let me have him. Give him. I'll take care Hand of it. Him I raise over. it. You know what? I realize that um, being a mother is like supposed to be inherently our thing. And I always was like, Igh. I'm a good mom. I might not be, I might not be the best mom. And I certainly am not like an Orthodox mother, but I'm a good mom. I was terrified.
1: to. Be and a don't mom. let my son
0: tell you any goddamn different. Well, I was on the phone with them last night. Just kidding.
1: No, I was terrified to be a mom. I didn't feel like that was anything that was in my nature because I was told at an early age that I wouldn't be able to. So I just got in the mindset I couldn't have any.
0: <laughs> well, and then you fucked around Tapies. and found out. Yeah. Tapies. So Tim and Julie Tennant, these two wonderful people, right? They adopt the kids. They were not given any information whatsoever. Which I don't know how much information they thought they were gonna get. They knew that they came from a an abusive home. They knew that they came from a bad situation. But they didn't know
1: the extent of the bad situation.
0: No. Because not- obviously if they're getting taken away from their parents, it's a bad situation. Right. But they don't know what it is. They knew that little brother had been um John, little brother John, had been neglected because Mm -hmm. of the condition, the physical condition. Right? How old was he? Sorry. So he's like, I want to say he was like mm, six months old, seven
1: months old, seven months old. Okay. Yeah, I knew, I knew, but I couldn't remember.
0: I knew he was little. So you know, the only thing that the adoptive parents then learned was that you know they were normal, they were healthy, and they were little. At the time of the ado- adoption, Jonathan was seven months old. His head was flat and bulged forward. Ugh, that's right. Yeah, bulged up in the front mm-hmm. because
1: the back was so flat. God,
0: poor baby. And
1: couldn't lift his
0: head. Probably, oh my that's God. That's like and a three-week thing. I know, dude. And could you imagine how like how much it would hurt to try and like train your kid at seven months old? Because at that point, it's if they're fed, head. yeah, it's a heavy, super heavy head. Anyway, he couldn't raise his head, couldn't roll over. It took about two months until Beth's parents discovered the truth about Beth and John's upbringing. So Jonathan was
1: found in his crib, right, with a pee diaper. Like there was pee everywhere and a dirty diaper and like a couple of bottles and that's how he was found when he was taken away from his parents. with Along with the flat head, with the bulge in the front. Just totally,
0: totally neglected. They recognized that both of the kids had some pretty disturbing behaviors. Um, and this is when Tim and Julie reached out for some help, more information regarding the kids. And they were told both children endured abuse through neglect Often no food for, I- for either of them, mm. St- no stimulation other than abuse, including sexual and physical abuse to Beth. So. I don't like that. What I learned from this episode, because I dove into it, is um, from the ages of about 18 months to age five are some of the most critical years in a kid's life. Yeah. Here's here's why. Um, I dealt with um, I dealt with a youth who has since been convicted for the murder of yeah. a, a local gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this kid didn't understand or exhibit empathy, and when it was like when it was explained to me. Because I would say things like, dude, you know the difference between right and wrong. Like, what are you doing? And he would look so shocked. Like, he really didn't.
1: He didn't know the difference between right and wrong?
0: No. And he completely lacked empathy. So the way that this was explained to me is if you take a child and let's say you give them everything they need physically to grow. So between the, between the age of 18, 18 months and five years old is when you take a kid and you teach them how to feel feelings and what they are. Empathy. That's where you get the empathy. That's where you get empathy. So if you take a kid you have a baby and you feed the baby and you swaddle the baby and you clothe the baby and you change it, like you give it everything it needs to be physically successful in growth that child doesn't know what trust is they don't know what they know fear Mm -hmm. and they know like they know that if it's cold outside i'm uncomfortable Mm -hmm. they know if i'm hot i'm not doing good they know that if i'm sitting in my own shit i don't like it
1: no i don't i
0: don't like it i don't like it but a kid learns how to trust people. A kid learns how to feel bad for their actions. A kid learns empathy. A kid learns those things.
1: and learns safety who they're safe with.
0: Yeah. it's part of the it's, it's part of the building a bond of trust. If you never show those things to a kid, they don't learn them. Mm-mm. So during those critical months, if you also only show them and teach them pain and hurt, mm-hmm. that is all they know. Yeah.
1: And don't know how to feel anything other than that. And don't know how to act. Don't, they don't know how to treat people any other way. They learn what they're taught. If you teach your child love, they're going to love more than likely. If you teach your child rage and anger and hate that's how they're going to feel that's, that's how they're going to treat other that's people. essentially
0: by the by if i need to cite my sources on that their information i do at the end but also i would like for you to <laughs> i would like for you guys to look up what to expect when you're expecting yeah but you got to look at the book be for realsies they have what to expect when you're expecting but it's an age group yep so you need to look at the, uh, what do they call this? Um, the, like, the inspiring years or something like that? I read the book through and through when
1: I was pregnant with Calvin because I was so fucking scared because I went from I'm never going to have kids to Jesus Christ, there's a baby on the way. What the fuck do I do? And I was doing it by myself, so that was even more. And I you would think I would remember that, but that was 13 years ago, so I can't Meh. remember exactly what that section Meh. was called. But, yeah, I think... I think you're close with that.
0: Something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was called, but I, I went into Bars and Noble and I did the I did read What to Expect When You're Expecting and it's like the toddlers inspiring years mm-hmm. or something like that. Anyway. That book is incredibly helpful. It does give you a lot of insight into what is important. Yeah. And what the brain is supposed to be doing at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, guys, like my kids are my stepchildren. I call them mine. They were 9 and 11 when I came into the picture. They're like 18 and 20 now. I didn't ever have a toddler. Close <laughs> if enough. I did, I'd have, have fucked mine. It up. mine. I'm sure I'm fucking your kids up on the daily. Well, you've got a mini you up there. That's unfortunate. The devile. <laughs> be gone, evil one. So, Tim and Julie basically had their dream come true turn into a mini a mini nightmare. Nobody really wants to think about little children getting hurt and getting neglected, and unless you are ready for that type of commitment, handling the aftermath can be traumatizing. Exhausting, Mm -hmm. you know. When they started talking about some of Beth's behaviors, she would have obviously the kid had nightmares and night terrors of the man who falls on her and hurts her with a part of himself. This is when Tim and Julie started to realize what kind of tragedy these kids had really been through. In her video interview, she candidly describes how her birth father touched her vaginas. Until it bled. And it hurt it a lot. And she didn't have
1: any emotion when she said N- it. No. None.
0: Tell me about
2: your birth father. What was that nightmare like?
1: When he touched
2: my vaginas. Okay. Until it bled. Hurted a lot until it bled. And, um, wouldn't be me a lot. He did on um, me Wouldn't be very nice to me.
0: How old are you? Mm. One. It's really disturbing to see Beth Thomas in these interviews. You can find them. You can look up The Child of Rage. You can look up Beth Thomas, and then you'll find all of her stuff, including um, things as her, like, as an adult. Mm-hmm. Anyway. The baby learned how to talk. The baby learned how to say proper words for things to describe. But that baby has, she looks so sweet and so innocent with her dark hair and her big blue eyes and her
1: missing front and her missing
0: teeth. And And she's got that. I know she got that sweet little girl Southern accent, but she's saying some terrible shit and she's not upset. No and she's saying it very matter
1: of fact like I went to the store and we got a sandwich. She could be seriously
0: I went to the mailbox and got the newspaper.
1: And yeah there's parts where she feels a little shame where she kind of slows down and her counselor is like no you're doing good baby girl keep Keep going. talking. So
0: I think she knows that things that happened to her were wrong because somebody told her they were yeah she knows that the things she was doing were was wrong because of reactions and because somebody told her
1: Mm
0: -hmm. not because she felt bad you know it's an interesting we'll get there sorry off track they can't even tell a cohesive story
1: well we can't I keep getting excited and then want to talk about the whys and what's, but maybe we'll tell you the story first.
0: Maybe. If we can, if we can get that far. <clears throat> God, have fun with your editing. Sorry. Head. Um, she would go on to say, he wouldn't feed me a lot. He hit on me a lot and wouldn't be very nice to me. She was maybe one.
1: That's how she says that she was one. Mm-hmm. I I had a question about this cuz they they were like how old were you and she's like uh one and now okay I don't you're not supposed to remember shit when you're one
0: however but
1: she was taken away when she was 19 to 22 months mm-hmm. old so she fucking remembers when she was one so the
0: thing is more than likely if you look at um she was 7 years old seven eight years old mm-hmm. in the interview was she even that old i think she was I don't five think or so. six it's probably six just judging off of her two front teeth i'm going to go with six so six or seven if you're six years old i'll bet at six years old you can remember when you were one and two i'll bet you that those re- those memories are replaced with more pertinent long-term information mm-hmm. And different memories as you get older. Like, shit, dude, I don't remember. I remember some stuff, but I don't remember everything from when I was, like, 17, 16. Like, I don't fucking know. Mm -mm.
1: No, but if you got hurt, if somebody hurt you, you remember that. Sure. And that's
0: how she is with... My earliest memory, I think I was three. Same. So would it be impossible for a a six-year-old to remember being one? No, especially
1: if not, if she's getting hurt, hurt if she remembers bleeding after he's touching her. Right. She remembers that vividly. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she would have been in and maybe she was closer to one and a half too, but still.
0: Well, when asked how she feels about all of this, she says scared. She draws pictures in crayon that show her being molested by hands and depicts her crying.
1: Which is the most emotion she shows in this, that and I saw.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, well, did she, like, she doesn't cry in her interview, but she draws it.
1: And didn't she cover up, if I remember right, on the drawing that she did, she covered up his hand so you couldn't see what he was doing. I don't know. Because it was inappropriate or something like that. I don't
0: know. The neglect and the the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her father caused her to exhibit some very inappropriate sexual behaviors, and especially towards her little brother, Jonathan. In therapy, Beth admitted to hurting her brother's genitalia by either pinching, squeezing, or kicking it. Mm -hmm. Um, She also stated that she would like to do the same thing to other boys. Her adoptive mother, Julie, told Dr. McGidd how she once caught Beth molesting her brother. She'd pulled down his pants, pulled her brother's penis, and put her finger into his anus. And that Beth was roughly two, two and a half? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Her desire to hurt her brother and other boys' genitalia stems from her birth father's sexual abuse. She associates the penis with fear and pain and therefore wants to eradicate it completely from her life, which is very understandable. She's like, oh, look, you have a penis. Those things hurt me. So I don't want you to have that anymore. I'm going to hurt your penis. I'm going to do what I can do to hurt you because fuck you and fuck your penis.
0: Exactly. So the psychologist, when Dr. McGidd, you know, he starts talking about the science behind Everything Beth does,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it to me, it's fascinating. When people are like, "What the hell's wrong with you,
1: dude?" Right? Because my the human first thought- brain is
0: a fucking weird place.
1: Right. My first thought was, if somebody did that to you, why would you want to do that to somebody else? But then that goes back into the thing where. Some people fall in a cycle and Mm -hmm. some people break the cycle.
0: Exactly. My brain
1: clearly goes to the break of the cycle. I don't want, if that happened to me, I don't want to do it to you because I know how horrible it was. She sees it as this is, this is what we do because that's how she was trained, at least in my opinion. It, It
0: is. I mean, that's all she knew. Even more disturbingly, Beth's abusive childhood caused her to masturbate at a very early age. Julie caught Beth masturbating several times a day until she made her own vagina bleed and had to be hospitalized. Julie explained how she would masturbate at really inappropriate times, including a public parking lot.
1: Yeah, and she had to be like, we don't do that here. And Beth was Mm -hmm. like,
0: why? So I felt like it, why? What's wrong with it? Like, it was okay for somebody to do it to me. Why can't I do it? Yeah. There are a lot of things that are incredibly difficult to explain to a child when they have... She wasn't started out with love and Mm -mm. rules and no, it makes
1: me sick. Don't, don't try to put yourself in this kid's spot or think about if that was your kid because you will hurt your own feelings. Oh God, don't get your own feelings. I did that this morning and I was like, make it stop. No more. Yeah. I've,
0: I've, I've fucked around and hurt my own feelings by overthinking things a couple of times. Don't do that to yourself. Don't. I actually have a cousin. I'm going to not say her name. She had issues with, um, like, chronic masturbatory issues when she was, like, under the age of five. Oh. And would do the same thing, like, masturbate inappropriately. um, Like, inappropriate times. Like, come into the living room while everybody was in there hanging out um, and visiting. And she'd come in there and, like, throw her legs up and start fiddling with herself. Wow. And it was... from what I understand she had been molested by a boy that was the son of her mom's friend
1: that makes me so afraid to let my kids go play like I have to talk myself into letting my kids go to people's houses Mm -hmm. like I can't shelter you forever I just have to hope that this doesn't happen because it's always that it's always the friend of a friend I know Somebody else's kid or, you know what I mean? Like, God damn, you never know.
0: It's just, you know, And this, I, I actually lived, um, I lived in the same area as her when that all, like, happened. And that woman and her son were around a lot. Thankfully, I was gone with my brothers more often than not. So, anyway. Right. During part of Beth's interview with Dr. McGidd, um, as they're trying to collect information and get this child more help, he, he asked Beth about her touching, and Beth admits that she does it many, many times a day, every day, and notes, I did it so bad that everything got messed up, and I had to go to the doctor, and I didn't want to. So she understands what she's doing is not okay. She knows that she's harming herself and she does it anyway.
2: How much do you do that? About every single day, and that's to I did it every single day until it got all bad, and I stopped and I had to get to the doctor and I did not like it. What, what do you mean by real bad? Well, it looked real raw, got all kinds of boo-boos on it, charms. Mm-hmm. A lot of
1: stuff from my hand.
2: And it bled?
1: hmm I wonder how many times she went to the doctor for it before, like, being because she did it or being because somebody else did it. And I wonder, there's a fear there with going to the doctor about it. And I wonder, I wonder what that fear is, if it has to do with what the doctor is going to say to her, like, don't do this, you're not supposed to do this, or... Who did this to you? You know what I mean? I don't know. I know what I mean. I don't know how to say it.
0: You're talking about Beth not wanting to go to the doctor. Yeah. Like, maybe it's not fear at all. Maybe it's that she doesn't want somebody looking at her downstairs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fear or of touching. somebody being there.
0: Yeah. So Beth also had a couple other behaviors that were really disturbing. And these are actually... Yep. So she had a habit of hurting the animals that were in the in the house. She liked to take sewing pins mm-hmm. and needles. And she would also use them on her little brother as well.
1: God, Jesus Christ.
0: Beth also enjoyed causing harm to animals that were not hers. Um, when she was told to stop hurting the animal, she would turn like... When her mom and dad noticed that she was abusing the pets because there were four of them in the house, right? They had a couple of cats and a couple of dogs. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: When the mom and the dad started watching her and they were like, listen, you cannot treat the animals like this. She would go outside and hurt things outside, whether she was catching a butterfly and smashing it. Or there was a situation where Beth turned her attention to a nest of baby birds. Her mom told the doctor how one morning she found all of the birds lying on their... Um, on their back lawn Mm -hmm. with their necks broken. Beth admitted to squeezing them to death by playing too rough. She is very specific when she's like playing too rough. And he's like, did you squeeze them? And she's like, yeah, I squeezed them. (laughs) Well, at
1: first she was kind of like, I squeezed them. And then he's like, well, did they die? She's like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, "But you do know. Your mom said that they all died." She's like, "Yeah, I squeezed them till they died." Mhm. Just like, "Oh, you got me." But well, there's still no remorse. It was mm-mm. like, "Well, shit. Now that you know, I might as
0: well tell you." So, do you really? Do you really think that kid knew the difference between right and wrong at that point? Because. I do. Or perhaps was she still basing her conversation with the doctor on his reactions? I don't know cuz his reactions stayed pretty
1: bland. Well, he he stayed at the same not not talking about
0: no. Maybe not the the tone, texture and like But he was like, Well, you did because your mom said. And she's like, Oh, yeah.
1: Well, and maybe she only knew because her mom had gotten mad at her, not because of the doctor, but because of when it happened. Maybe her mom got mad at her and said, You don't kill, we don't kill baby birds. We don't squeeze baby birds. And that's how she knew it was wrong, not because she felt and felt like she knew the difference between right and wrong. Not that she felt bad
0: that she killed him.
1: No, it's because she knew that her mom was upset because I don't think it was the doctor's tone. I don't know. Just my opinion.
0: Well, this is the thing that makes your theory, the theories, very interesting, is that Beth admitted um, that she liked to play with baby birds um, because they were blind and they couldn't see her and that they were pretty helpless and couldn't get away.
1: She liked to be in charge.
0: It's a power, a position Mm -hmm. of power
1: power that's where it, that's, that's what i mean
0: as beth got older the outbursts and the behavior worsened to a point that she actually smashed her brother's head into the Ugh. cement of the basement which required several stitches to close up jonathan's head beth admitted that at that moment she was in fact trying to kill her brother
1: mm-hmm.
0: not just hurt him julie had to go down there and physically pull jonathan from beth's grip
1: and she talked about that matter-of-factly, too, just yeah. like, well, I was trying to kill him. Well, and then her dad was even, like, her adoptive father was even, like, yeah, she tried to ki- Or was it the mom? One of, one of the mom or the dad said she tried to kill him multiple times. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, stop. Maybe we
0: don't leave her unattended. Well... She regularly talked about killing the family and the pets. Mm-hmm. She showed zero remorse or regret for any of the behaviors, the thoughts, the statements. She acknowledged that, um, yeah, like I'm hurting people, but meh. She even like she shrugs during some of the like most intense questions, and I it makes me giggle because she's just like meh, I mm.
2: don't
0: meh. And it's not really an, it is an I don't know, but just the way she does it, I'm like, holy shit, you really are a little psychopath.
1: She really is. I mean, given the way she was raised, what else do you expect,
0: though? Yeah. So, I mean, she was able to say, yeah, I acknowledge that, like, you know, I'm hurting people, but, you know, like, what? I don't care. So
1: it was kind of like, yeah, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like, and... Mm. isn't hurting normal
0: Uh uh-huh yeah Uh uh-huh yeah Mm. all right you guys have to watch her because i've never seen anything quite as dark and eerie as watching a small child talk about things the way she does yeah because usually little kids dude even little little kids when they get caught doing bad things like caught red-handed they immediately start crying and they're like "Ah." oh yeah when I get mad at 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 my middle daughter Mm
1: daughter my middle daughter Tyler I can get mad at her for the smallest things and she just breaks down because she doesn't like to do things wrong she wants to always you know she wants to be right she wants to be the good kid she tries to follow the rules and be good so when she gets in trouble she's like Oh my god, I'm so sorry I didn't her mean to I feelings wasn't are hurt. Trying. Yes, her feelings are hurt. It's not that she's it's not that she's upset at, at how I reacted, it's that she's upset with herself for doing something wrong. And this little girl
0: is just savage Wait, as yeah. fuck. She's just like eh. she would've made an excellent shield maiden, but that's neither here nor there. So Tim and Julie are seeking out at this point they're seeking out additional psychiatric counseling. For, for Beth. Yes. You know, when your tiny little five-year-old is telling you that they're going to kill you. Conal Watkins was the therapist that diagnosed Beth with a severe case of RAD. What is RAD? Let me tell you. Please it's do. It's
1: reactive attachment disorder. Yes, it is. I tried to tell my stepdad about this after, after you, you did this episode mm-hmm. the first time I was explaining it to my mom and stepdad. This goes back to why I have to write out every episode because I can't, I was like, ah, uh, there's a, th- there's a disorder <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember what it's called. And, right. but they did, they, I was like, is it dad? Cause I was trying to do disassociative oh. something. Oh. I was trying to you're, like, you're
0: trying to put RAD and DID together. Yes.
1: And I was um, like, "That's not right." And then I tried to Google it. And I'm like, "I don't fucking know what it is." And then three days later, when I figure it out, I'm like, "Yeah, this
0: is what it is." And he's
1: like, "I've never heard of that." I'm like,
0: "You should look into it. It's fucking interesting." It's I, horrifying. I have. It's so funny. There was uh, at one point in time, my mom was with me when I was giving my uh, mental health diagnoses to a doctor. And I said, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I was diagnosed with um, ODD. And I, was di- I wasn't was diagnosed with ODD, which is opposition- oppositional defiance disorder. I wasn't diagnosed with that until I was an adult. Mm. And I was not diagnosed with IED, which is intermittent explosive disorder, until I went to rehab. Yeah. So, which... It actually is trauma-based and kind of walks hand-in-hand hand with, like, ADHD mm-hmm. and all that shit. So, but anyway, um, my mom was present for me, like, saying that to a doctor in front of a doctor. And my mom goes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da disorders. Oh. <laughs> now, keep in mind, this is the funniest shit ever because my mother has lost her mind. She's actually in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. So when she hears like, and I'm like, you know, ADHD, ODD, you know, da 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 and I'm like going through all these things, and my mom just
1: disorders,
0: full disorders.
1: Were you like, thank, thank you,
0: thank you, mom, for helping.
1: I probably would have laughed first, and then been like, yes, thank you for giving me those. Um, just
0: yeah, no, my mom has the my mom has dementia and severe. Uh, advanced multiple sclerosis. You'll hear me talk about her in lots of episodes, but my mom has the mind of a child. So, what comes out of her is often bad, <laughs> rude, unfiltered. Um, so, once upon a time, the old timers used to call this failure to thrive. However, the failure to thrive diagnosis is very broad. That's like saying your kid has autism. There are a variety on the spectrum from high functioning, you just think that kid is not neurotypical, all the way to people that are unresponsive, uncommuni- not unresponsive, uncommunicate like they don't- uh, verbal. They're not like verbally- mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, you guys, I'm terribly sorry, but- We
1: know what you mean. Like I have a nephew that's autistic and he- yeah, he can barely talk and he's four years old. And, but with all the therapy and stuff that she's got him in, he's starting to do a lot better. So there's different, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a different, it's very broad.
0: It really just is.
1: Because other people with autism are way less functioning than he is.
0: So the failure to thrive is a very broad spectrum. Okay. Now that used to be something as simple as your infant is a little underweight, Okay, right. and that would be a failure to thrive. If your <clears throat> if your child wasn't uh, walking by age
1: whatever whatever One. the fuck One and a half
0: fifteen months, that was considered a failure to thrive. But it also included some really serious shit. R. A. D. the Reactive Attachment Disorder is characterized by markedly disturbed and developmental developmentally inappropriate ways of relating socially. It can take the form of a persistent failure to initiate or respond to social interactions in in an appropriate way, known as inhibited form, uh, or it can present itself as indiscriminate sociability, such as excessive familiarity with strangers, and this is the disinhibited form. Beth's condition involved a complete inability to bond with any human being and a complete lack of empathy. This is also known as sociopathy or psychopathy. They are not the same thing by the by.
1: No, they are not.
0: No, they are not. Uh, now, all those although those terms are not used about children under the age of 18, RAD generally arises from a failure to form normal attachments to primary caregivers in early childhood. The results <clears throat> excuse me. The results form severe early experiences of neglect, abuse, abrupt separation from caregivers, where Beth's mom passed away and Beth was only one between the ages of 6 months and 3 years. It also results from a frequent change in caregivers or a lack of caregiver responsiveness to a child's communicative efforts. So if the way the child knows to communicate, the only thing they really know is bad, wrong, don't do it. Pain. And then the kid literally has like no way to express themselves and communicate what the fuck is going on. Like they don't. They just don't have those tools yet. Mm-hmm. Beth Thomas developed RAD is certainly beyond her control. The assessment is not criticism, nor is it blaming the child, but it does come from the cluster of symptoms that Beth displayed during her brief but harrowing life with her biological dad.
1: Yeah, think about how much time. Her mom died when she was one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She was recovered around 22 months, possibly. So. There,
0: So at le- let's say... Um, worst case scenario, mom died at one and she was removed from house by two. There was one, one year yeah. of very critical, growing learning stages, and all she was was raped. Yep. And beat.
1: Was the little brother has the same mom, right? Mm hmm. Okay. For some reason, I keep thinking she's older than she was when they got taken. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. <clears throat> So just when it can't get any more
0: disturbing. Mhm. It does. It certainly does. There's an actual recorded conversation where Dr. Megid says, "Tell me about the knives." This is a perfect opportunity for you to put that clip in. Yeah, I'm going to insert insert that clip right
1: here so you guys can hear it because there is no way to explain it.
0: "Tell me
2: about the knives. Where did you get them?"
1: "From the drawer."
2: and where else do you remember mm-hmm. tell me about it i got them from the dishwasher what kind of knives um, big sharp ones and what do you want to do with those knives
1: kill john and mommy with them and daddy it was weird to me though that she said and daddy later Like it was mom and John first, but then daddy. So I was like, she forgot about him
0: almost. Well, my, my assumption is that man of the house is likely not home all day. Mom has brand Mm -hmm. new adopted kids. She's likely going to be the person that Beth interacts with the most. So when she's being disciplined or when she's being pulled off of her brother or told not to do this or blah, blah, blah. It's likely her mother that's telling her her
1: Mom's getting in the way of her killing.
0: Yes. Tim and Julie immediately thought of Beth when a set of knives went missing. In the aftermath, Beth asked her adoptive mother what the knives looked like. However, there was no way of knowing about their disappearance unless she had actually taken them. Tim and Julie had not yet asked her where they were. So fears for Jonathan's safety have now skyrocketed. Because children, because kids are fucking stupid... She outed herself. What
1: do the missing knives look like, Mom? And Mom's like, oh. Oh, so you really? you about the missing knives,
0: eh? Um, I actually learned that I was not a very good liar. I was eight years old, and I was fucking off with my mom's, like, hair thingy. And it was the hair clip that she used every fucking day. Anyway, I can't remember what the shit I did, but I broke it. And so I placed it on the bathroom floor to look Like an accident. And um, anyway, my mom was like, Angel, this is broken. Do you know what happened? I'm like, I don't know who stepped on it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't
1: know. I don't know who stepped on it. It wasn't me. Did you do it? Did you step on it, Mom?
0: Because I didn't step on it. Like, who stepped on it? Oh, who stepped on it? That's funny. What?
1: That shit I would do.
0: So for the safety of Jonathan, Tim and Julie had started to lock Beth in her room at night. And during a recorded raw interview with Little Beth and Ken McGidd, which is part of the Child of Rage documentary, she was asked if people were afraid of her. And she's like, yes, my brother my mom and my dad. And when Ken further talks about um, whether or not she would hurt her family. And her reply, yes. She went on to describe that she would do everything at night because she didn't want them to see her do it, but they could feel her I'm do gonna, it.
1: Okay, I'm adding that clip in right yes. now because it is so fucking eerie the way that she says it. Oh. So here you go.
2: Are they afraid that you might hurt them? Yep. Would you, Beth? Mm-hmm. When would you do it? Nighttime. Okay. Why would you do nighttime? Because I don't like them seeing me do it. But they can tell me do it. Mm-hmm. And what would you do to them, Beth?
0: Stab them. Okay. What would you stab them with?
1: A knife.
0: That's a great clip.
1: Mm-hmm. When I rewatching re-watching that, I was just like, Jesus Christ! I had Christ. watched it a long time ago, you know, and I, I felt the same way then as I do now. But this set watching it again, I was like, "Mother of God!" But it
0: just—it really opens like some really dark doors in my head when she's like, you know, because at that time I think she's like six and a half years old, mm-hmm. and the fact that she doesn't want them to see her makes me uncomfortable. Like, hurting, like killing people is a pretty intimate thing, you know? I don't know. She just wants them to feel it but
1: not see it? Is she afraid that if they see her, they'll be able to fight her off? Or is she really that morbid that she just wants them to feel it and, I think, and feel that fear? And feel the pain. And the pain, because that's what she liked about the baby birds is that they couldn't see her. Right. And so it all goes together there. And they not only locked her in her room, they tied the doors closed. Like, her yeah, dad so, said they tied her in there, not tied her in there, like she was tied to her oh, bed. Th- so, uh, her
0: dad said they, like, they actually had, like, a that's mm-hmm. the word. So, they, at one point in time, from what I understand, the way it was described is they would put, uh, they would screw in um, Hook. Like latch Mm -hmm. and hook. Yeah. And they would hook bungee cords to it and like to the other side. Mm -hmm. Like they were locking her in and then like reinforcing or putting shit in front of the door. So that if she did get the door open, there were other obstacles for her that would make noise so that somebody would know she was fucking up and awake.
1: Yeah, because they weren't going to leave it to picking a lock.
0: It's, but they don't see me do it, but they could feel me do it. Motherfucker, oh, so I don't
1: like it
0: Well, during the course of the interview Beth, the adorable little blue t- blue-eyed toothless charmer She's so fucking cute She really is Also had zero emotions when she's describing her intentions Or the abuse of her brother It's scary as fuck, dude mm-hmm. When she's when asked why she wants her family to die She tells Dr. McGidd, I was just hurt so bad I don't want anybody to be around I don't want to be around any people
1: I can totally understand that. What does she think is going to happen, though? Like, this is the six-and-a-half-year-old brain. What does she think is going to happen when she kills everybody? She's going to live happily ever after? Where are you going to get your food? Where are you going to do this? But she doesn't I don't, care. She just doesn't want to be around I don't even think it's a fear, her. though.
0: Like, it's, mm-hmm. what's the fear of going to the doctor? What is the fear? I don't think it is Fear.
1: She doesn't want people to touch her. She doesn't want to be around people. Nope. She doesn't fucking like people, as you probably shouldn't after after the interaction you've had with people at this point. Right. It's not expected that you're gonna like them.
0: Well, and it also like one of the dark little doors that it opens is that apparently a lot of the most heinous abuse that Beth sat that Beth endured was at night in the dark. Mm hmm. So I'm assuming that the biological father that decided to beat and rape this child did so in the dark because he was probably ashamed of himself. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I hope he was disgusted with himself. I yeah. And I don't have by the by, I don't have the information, and nor did I look for it on the biological dad.
1: That shit we don't need to know because I don't we'll I, obsess.
0: I don't, yeah, dude, that's, it wasn't pertinent to the episode, Duh, more than what I've already told you. Oh. So, what, what now? At this point, Tim and Julie are desperate for help and solutions, and I'm unable to find the information that really describes the transition or additional adoption of Beth. However, it is noted that Beth's adoptive parents... Adoptive mother is Nancy Thomas. It is my assumption that Tim and Julie kept Jonathan and relinquished their rights for Beth. Uh, Following the interview with Dr. McGidd and Dr. Connell Watkins, they both agreed that Beth's condition was so extreme, they recommended she be removed from the family's home before she really did kill somebody.
1: That really hurt my feelings at first when I heard that, that they did that. But... It also is good that the parents recognize that they don't have what it takes to they don't have what it takes to give to this kid. They don't feel like they can do it, so they give her to somebody else who can. And that's a really hard decision
0: for somebody to do. Do you know like at in my estimation the way that I would look at it is that one right there is being hurt and I have to protect it from this kid yeah. over here. And this kid, something's wrong with this kid that I can't fix. And that child is now a threat to me, my animals, my son, my like, fuck that dude. That one needs more. Yeah. And for them
1: to be able to um, rehabilitate both kids. Right. That's too much for one set of parents. In my opinion, at first I was like, what the fuck, man? What the shit? You'll keep one but not the other. You know, what the fuck? And then now I feel a lot different. It's like, okay, you're giving them the best odds because now they each have one-on-one from parents to be able to heal and get better.
0: It's it's kind of the double-edged sword on which one's more important.
1: And that's how I felt. I felt like they picked the less damaged one, but he's
0: now damaged too because his parents been have, trying to kill him. You also have to consistently think of his safety. And is it is it more traumatizing for a child to be placed in a in a different home, or have that kid fucking stabbed to death in the middle of the night? Mm. And sorry, at the end of the day, I start thinking more, um, like more critical than feeling and i'm like okay well now you're not only a threat to this kid but you're a threat to me yeah you're the common denominator you have to go
1: yeah 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 it's too much to take them on
0: take them both on it's way too much so how do you turn hatred into a human because this is basically how they had to recover an entire human being right Mm-hmm. In 1989, Beth is removed from the family's home and was placed into Dr. Connell's home.
1: In spite of Beth's dangerous behavior, the therapist was confident that she could help Beth since her professional history included working successfully with extremely disturbed children, such as nine year old murderers. Because, yes, there are nine year old murderers. Mm-hmm. At first, all of her freedom was restricted until Beth demonstrated that she could be trusted. It was a difficult transition for Beth. Children who don't
0: trust don't like rules. No. Mm -mm. Why should what you say be okay?
1: Yeah. At first, Beth was locked inside her bedroom at night so she couldn't escape and hurt other children or adults in the house. She had to ask permission to do everything from play with a particular toy to getting a glass of water. It's pretty much how I run my house. I ain't even gonna lie. Well, and it's... Sometimes.
0: It's one of those things that you, you have to teach her that consent to do things, to tell people to do things, to follow a structure, to follow a rule, to follow. But in, in return, you're earning trust. Mm-hmm. So you're earning my trust by telling me what you're up to. You're earning my trust by telling me that you need this and I can approve that for you. Because otherwise, how else are you supposed to bond? Yeah. Yep. She Beth, started showing improvement. According to the employees and the staff, children in the home actually believe that they are evil and that they have no value. The home aims to change the way that these children think about themselves and render them into loving, normal people who have some sort of value. Not to everybody else but in their own life. So it's hard to have confidence. It's hard to feel secure and value yourself when nobody else ever did.
1: To add to that, you're not going to get any value from anybody else unless you value yourself first.
0: But they have, yeah. So you get, you have to teach them.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. And this is a, a problem that a lot of people have. And I know that I had it too, that I had to work on in counseling a lot. I had to work on it in counseling, and as soon as I started getting my own value and and actually believing that I had value, it fell into place with everybody else. I thought Mm -hmm. that people didn't value me, so I made sure that they didn't, and I gave myself that distance. When I started to value myself, then I could believe that other people valued me, and that distance started to go away, and that's what she is working on there.
0: So over time... Your restrictions are then removed because you have formed a trust. If I let you go into the kitchen to get a drink of water, I know that you're only going to get the drink of water because I trust you. Yes. You're not going to go in there to get a drink of water and come back with a fucking paring knife. A paring knife and a soda. (laughs) (laughs) I decided that I wanted a goddamn Pepsi and to poke you with this here knife.
1: How many knives are missing?
0: What do they look like? Mm -hmm. So there there was a method to the madness. Within one year of living in this house, her behavior was so recovered and remarkable that Beth was permitted to share a bedroom with the therapist's own daughter. This transition took place in Beth Thomas over an extended period. She learned empathy and remorse when someone was hurt. She learned about right and wrong. And when she talked about... Earlier abuse of Jonathan, she cries, like she w- genuinely cries openly about it. She no longer talked about hating anybody or wanting to kill anybody, and she didn't abuse herself anymore. Her therapy took years to complete, and Beth, like any child abuse victim, will likely always live with like the consequences of her abuse.
1: Right, but this goes to show that if you get the kids the therapy they need when they're younger, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't make them feel like they're the bad person for letting this happen. Help them, get them the therapy they need, and they have a chance of recovery. Because I know a lot of people are like, well, deal with it. And a lot of kids, a lot of people don't deal with it until they're an adult or don't deal with it at all.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, shit, dude. A lot of the a lot of the improvement that's been made in my life since going to treatment um it was an easy fix once i understood how to do it you know and therapy is counseling is what helps you there was a very controversial okay rebirth of beth so to speak Beth Thomas grew into a mentally healthy young woman. She obtained a degree in nursing and authored a book titled More Than a Thread of Hope. She and her adoptive mother, Nancy Thomas, established a clinic for children with severe behavioral disturbances. Nancy Thomas wrote a book entitled Dandelion on My Pillow, Butcher Knife Below. No, Butcher Knife Beneath. That's Mm -hmm. what it's called. And this is coping with personal problems. Um, and especially dealing with disturbed children. So if you guys really want to have access to Beth Thomas's materials, um, as well as Nancy's, you can go to attachment.org. However, it would be uncovered later that disturbing information about Nancy Thomas and her child therapy practices were uncovered, I guess, in an ironic side note or end note. Beth's therapist, Connell Watkins, performed a, performed a fatal attachment therapy session known as a rebirth on a 10-year-old girl. And in doing so, she asphyxiated the child. Jesus. Watkins, uh, Dr. Connell Watkins served seven years of a 16-year sentence and was forbidden from working with children ever again upon her release in 2008. Candice's death became motivation for Candice's law against attachment therapy practices in several states so what what the rebirth session is they literally cocoon the kid as though or the person i i don't even i don't know the the person that is being treated for attachment therapy has to go through like forced hugging and cuddling Mm -hmm. they also when they do the rebirth the the person is actually cocooned like a, a child would be in the womb yeah and then they have to bore themselves Re-
1: re-bearing. Re-bearing? they have to
0: rebirth and they have to crawl out of the mock uterus all right and in doing so some of these therapies have been known to be detrimental to a child's health Did Who anybody
1: knew? else think of
0: um ace ventura, ace ventura crawling ventura. out of that goddamn yeah. rhino yeah yeah I
1: that's all I- I lost all seriousness when that <laughs> went into my head, and then I couldn't even focus
0: anymore. Sorry. In conclusion, you have this kid, okay? Now, Beth Thomas is not the only case of RAD, but she is one of the most prolific. The reason why I like this story is because it is kind of a morbid underdog tale. You have this kid that could have ended up just a ward of the state until she maxed out at 18 and was thrown out into the real world where she likely would have um, developed drug and alcohol addiction. More than likely murdered people. Oh, she definitely would have hurt somebody. And she never would have gotten any treatment. The story that comes with Beth is short, but it's really profound. Mm Mm-hmm. Dr. Watkins and Dr. McGidd both talk about RAD being a new cause for killers and murders. It's not really the new cause. It's possibly the big cause. Not like the only thing, but when you think about how many people, like the serial killers, when you look at, um, you know, how they were abused, what they learned at a young age, how they were neglected, how they, you know, they weren't taught certain things.
1: No, and this is why I like doing all their early lives when we do when we do episodes. I like to do their early lives. I want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. because there was a lot of things that we saw about uh Bundy Mhm, oh, my life was totally fine. My parents were great in his last interview. He said oh, yeah. that my my life was just fine. Come to find out it fucking wasn't no not going to give it away now cuz we'll eventually do
0: bundy but i just think that there are a lot of people that until somebody reacted to them tell, like if i expl- like if i explained my childhood to most people they're like jesus christ right oh my god that's how you know that shit's not normal Otherwise, if you're like when you're in a situation that your parents are constantly fighting or they're beating the shit out of each other or they're never there or they're fucking high or uh, those things, your trauma becomes um, common to you, I guess. <laughs> like, fuck, that's the worst part, you're fucking used to it. Um, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> so when people, you know, uh, People look at other people's childhood, and they're like, "No wonder you're so fucked up." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, thank you." Thanks. You're like, "Well, that's normal, right? Like, your parents are supposed to attack, yeah. Like, your mom's supposed to attack your dad with a screwdriver. It's normal." Completely fucking. Yeah, your you know, mom's supposed fuck. to try to kill you so with her bare hands, right? So is is Beth Thomas? Um, like, is she the only kid to ever be diagnosed? No. So it's really, and it's not a new diagnosis. It's not a new cause. They're actually recognizing it more. So long time ago, and I'm going to use autism as, as another example. Um, God damn dude, like as early as 1980, kids were still autistic, but they were calling them retarded or they were calling them deficient or they were putting them in institutions because your kid needed to be institutionalized because he was mentally unsound or however they worded it having the autism diagnosis recognizing that some kids will never be verbal or some kids will never be high, you know high functioning or and other kids
1: work different
0: yeah. so the the same same rules apply that all kids aren't
1: cattle we can't all we can't put them all in the same I'm going to dis public school a little bit. I don't mean it personal to anybody, but we can't put our kids in public school and expect them all to come out the same. My kid is an example of that. Exactly. He he needs a little bit different. He needs a little bit different way of learning. It doesn't mean that he's stupid. It means that he learns different. And if you pass over him and if you keep piling shit on him when he didn't understand this, he's going to shut the fuck down Mm -hmm. and he doesn't give a shit.
0: That's why I hate the no child left behind. I do too because my
1: kid got left behind and he's in eighth grade and we're now starting fifth grade math over
0: because he was left behind. He Mm -hmm. was failed. So my thing is, for me, no child left behind, um, my teachers would consistently push kids to the next grade that had no business being there.
1: Right. Like my kid, I don't think he should have been pushed and I asked and I tried to get them... But they wanted to push him. I don't know if it was for, if they didn't want to deal with it. If, if,
0: I don't know. Like I said, this isn't, this isn't a new thing. They're just figuring it out. Much like autism, they're just figuring it out. Understanding it a lot more. Because also a similar case to Beth was Mary Flora Bell. What? I feel like I've heard of her before. (laughs) If you guys want to check that episode out. You're going to have to scroll for it.
1: You are. Because I don't I'm remember really, which number it is. I don't either, because I, I first thought of 18, but I know it's way past that.
0: I believe so. So, much like Mary Bell, um, who was from Newcastle,
1: upon Tyne in England. <laughs> stop it
0: i wasn't gonna say it because i was like stifling giggles all right <laughs> mary bell who was actually from england her sexual abuse that led to the murdering of two before being prisoned and receiving therapies for red which was undiagnosed and called something completely a you know something else she later married and had a child lives in england under a a new assumed name
1: yeah and she oh god can't wait till you listen to that one, cause that poor girl, God, it it's a good one. Yeah, it wasn't just one person for her. Um. It's
0: yeah, and 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 sadly, well, you guys know that moms make murderers. Bad moms make murderers. For real, like not to put any fucking pressure on you, bitches, but <laughs>
1: parenting is hard enough. Go ahead and fuck up pretty bad, and you're going to raise yourself a serial killer. Hi, Ed Kemper. Mm. Ed Gein. Mary God. Bell. We can go through and name all no, the No, for real.
0: Like, most people, like, mm-hmm. some of the biggest names in serial killer, like, they have... Crazy ass, overbearing, fucked up moms. Hello, Fred Charles West. Manson. So you can actually check out child abuse prevention at Child Help. Um, there are a lot of different things, um, child abuse strategies, how to so- like find signs of abuse or um, neglect. You know, we always tell people if you see something, say something. If you're wrong, you're fucking wrong. And I know that people are like, oh my god, Karen. Guess what, motherfucker? Like, I work with at-risk kids, and if you knew what I knew, if you saw what I saw, if you knew what I knew,
1: if you know of a child that's been
0: molested, please tell somebody,
1: and you don't do anything about it, and you don't get them the counseling that they need, you don't understand what kind of doors you're opening there by not getting them the help that they need, even just, even if they were molested just one time. Seriously. You have to get
0: them help. No, it's, it's one of those things where when a child is sexually abused, molested, raped, that kind of thing, you have actually fiddled with a part of a child that wasn't supposed to be developed for decades that being said, you have then hypersexualized a child, and what happens is that a woman a, or young lady, sometimes the like, sometimes we're promiscuous because we like to be fucking promiscuous. Some of us do it as a way to try and find acceptance from what um, should have been like a strong father figure. Right. So the hypersexualization can really create problems for women.
1: Or And and men, because we had a, a guy that came on <clears throat> to one of our um, Survivor series later mm-hmm. on, and he was abused as a child, which made him very hypersexual, mm-hmm. and he didn't get help for it. And I can't remember if the parents or anybody knew and didn't do anything. I'm not sure if he kept it to himself, but... um In his 30s, he finally started to get counseling and finally started to get the help that he needed for it after he told his story on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Don't wait that long. Talk to your kids. Make sure that your kids are aware that it's not okay and that if something happens, they can make it so that they feel like they can tell you so that you can get them the help that they need.
0: And, you know, it's one of those things where we... When I grew up... You know, we didn't we didn't call them our breasts. We didn't say our vagina. Mm-mm. You know, don't make cutesy names for your kid's body. Like, it's human anatomy. You don't have to call it a hoo-hoo and a ha-ha and a, Mm-mm. you know, t- these are my breasts. That is a nipple. This is your vagina. Like, you don't have to get in there with a laser pointer and be like, this is your clitoris. This is your labia. But you can very much tell your child, like, anything your swimsuit covers, nobody touches that. Yeah. And if they do, you need to tell me because yeah. we don't keep secrets. No. Nope. And if somebody asks you to keep a secret, that person is a bad person.
1: And if, if they say that, if they threaten anybody in your family, if you tell, right, you don't worry about that.
0: No, because they're worry. you. Yeah, you need to make sure that your children know that you will handle that. If they mm-hmm. tell, if they say they're going to hurt mommy or daddy, if you tell, you come home, and that that better be the first thing you tell me, and I, then I will go hurt him for fucking real man say something fucked up jeffrey i'll burn your fucking house down
1: my mom used to say that to me has anybody ever touched you i'd be like mom no jesus christ and i would get kind of irritated and now i'm at that point with my kids if anybody touches you you tell me and i frequently ask that not frequently but i ask them periodically has anybody touched you if they did will you please promise me that you'll tell me you know and when i was little, it irritated the shit out of me and now i understand
0: I remember when I got the chicken pox as a child, I was six and I got them horribly. Like I had them inside my mouth and like down my throat and like under my fucking eyelids. Did you know that you can get fucking chicken herpes No. on your fucking eye? No. Well, I had them everywhere, including my vagina. Mm. Well, my mom, who's sitting at the table watching me. As I stay home from school and die. I mean, I had these motherfuckers, like, in between my toes and shit. It was fucking awful. Anyway, my mom catches me scratching. And she takes a look. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, my whole, even, like, kind of on the inside of my vagina, there were pock marks. There were pocks. So my mom, God bless her, goes and gets a cold compress. And she's, like, trying to clean and take care of it. And I've scratched so hard I bled. And then she's trying to put like medicine on it and i'm bawling right oh yeah she's like sweetie does it hurt no you told me nobody's supposed to touch me down there oh and she's like well god jesus it's okay for me to do it because i'm putting medicine i'm talking about like other people anyway i was like crushed because my mom like you're breaking the rule
1: you're the she's one like, oh, that told my god. me this Angel, rule and you're breaking it i
0: know so that's when But my at mo- least
1: you knew you knew what yeah, was Yeah. you not. don't you don't
0: touch there Maybe uh, just just stay out of chalk lines.
1: Yeah, there is. I like I got nothing, dude. There, like no I lead into this that makes it.
0: You know, safe. I I want to be funny and quippy and witty, and I am s- sincerely happy that Beth Thomas came out on the other side a successful, happy, healthy woman. Mhm. So maybe don't worry, be happy. Yeah, and uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. That's the best you get.